0: hebrews and chapter 8 I'm beginning in verse 6 and ladies and gentlemen this is the word of god but as it is christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises and so i showed no concern for them declares the lord for this is the covenant that i will make with the house of israel after those days declares the lord i will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and i will be their god and they shall be my people and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying know the lord for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Let's pray together. Lord, unveil your truth to us we invite the holy spirit to help us in this we are blind without the quickening work of the holy spirit giving us eyes to see help us in this and show us christ the lord jesus christ we ask in his name amen please be seated as we look at these verses there's much for us to see Christ has obtained, according to verse 6, a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. The theme of Hebrews is Christ is better. All he has done is better. There's nothing to go back to. We have all that we need in Christ, even though, naturally speaking, this group of Hebrew Christians was a small group in comparison with the towns that they were in in the cities that they dwelt in and everything looked murky and bleak according to the natural realm which is why there's such an emphasis on faith faith looks beyond what we can see to that which we cannot see we walk by faith not by sight as second corinthians 5 verse 7 says without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to god as Hebrews eleven six says, must believe that he is, and that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible, and these Hebrew Christians were encouraged to look beyond what they could see. And if they understood, because of the revelation of God's word, what was true, though they could not see it by their senses or feel it or have their senses just provoked by some experience. The Word of God was more real than any experience they could ever have, and that's why they could have confidence and boldness at the throne of grace. That's the theme. Christ is better, better than Moses, better than angels, better than anything you could think of. And if we understand who He is, we'll never be involved in anything less than Christianity as it revealed in the Old and the New Testament verse 7 says for if that first covenant had been faultless there would have been no occasion to look for a second but as it is there is a second there is a second covenant and verse 8 explains the reason why the first one was inadequate for he he being God finds fault with them we've already made this declaration the problem was not The covenant the problem was the people finding fault with them the fault was never with God never with his law the law is good the law is perfect the law is holy you read the book of Romans and there we have the Apostle Paul affirming that the law is good the problems not with the law the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart And so we might think as we read these words, for he finds fault with them, that the next phrase we read would be this, finding fault with them, he no longer had anything to do with them. You're a problem, I'm out of here, God says, I'm going to look for a different group, different people. Of course, that's not what he said. Finding fault with them, we read, when he says, what does he say? behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I'll establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah that's grace ladies and gentlemen finding fault with them them being the problem not him he does not say I'm throwing you away no he says I'm gonna do something even more dramatic I'm gonna have a new covenant and enact it with you how gracious this is grace upon grace grace as we understand is unmerited favor mercy is different it can be distinguished from grace mercy is we don't get the punishment we deserve we deserve death we deserve to be put away in some spiritual prison forever mercy is that we don't get that we don't get the justice we deserve grace is not only being let out of the death sentence and that being eradicated but let out of the prison cell but also to come to the temple palace and dine with the king that's grace mercy is you get out of jail grace is you eat with the king and we've been given grace and mercy in Jesus Christ and we are invited to come to the throne of grace not just mercy we need mercy but mercy and grace grace is amazing someone should write a hymn called amazing grace that's my advice Maybe it's already been done. Mercy prevents just, uh, justice by the means of justice being meted out on the Son of God in our place. Justice was never banished. God didn't say, I'm not going to be just anymore. He is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus because His justice was meted out on the Son of God in our place. And that's the gospel. He died in our place. Praise the Lord. Can you say amen? grace gives us a standing with god and access to god with all of that as a benefit with all of its benefits of having direct access to god we don't need three mediators or 18 we have the need of only one and that's the message of hebrews he is our high priest we have such a high priest and that's how hebrews chapter 8 verse 1 even begins so finding fault with them when he says and now this is a quotation from Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 through 34 I want to point out that this is the longest quotation of the old covenant in the new you don't get very far in the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew where you come across verses from the old covenant Uh, Matthew may uh, writing primarily to Jews you'd understand that he's quoting the Old Testament what we call the Old Testament the Hebrew Scriptures to show that Jesus is the promised Messiah he went here to fulfill this he did that to fulfill this and the this was the statements of prophecy in the Old Testament but in Hebrews 8 we have the longest quotation of the Old Covenant in the New here's what it says at the beginning behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I'll establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah that's God's covenant people Verse nine: not like the covenant that I made with their fathers it's not like the old it's better you know if something is better it does what the old did but does more It does what the old did and more if you have radio and all you had was radio television is better because you get all of the benefits of radio and it's better because you can not only hear something you can see and hear something and that's the message the new covenant is better it contains all the wonderful benefits of the old but it's far 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 better praise the lord not That's the emphasis not like the covenants that i made it's not just a little bit different it's much better it's not just that it's a slight improvement it's much better and if you understand that these hebrew christians in the huddle corner of the town you know thinking on that what a message what you have is better you've got christ you've got a new covenant and it's better than all the people saying you're out of here we're not letting you into the synagogue you can't function in society no don't give up your confidence in Christ what you have is better than anything they would offer you there's nothing to go back to not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I look at this phrase took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt that's an amazing expression of the kind and tender grace of God I took them by the hand you ever seen a father with a son or a daughter leading that son or daughter across the road they take the child's hand with tenderness they might grip real hard but they come with tenderness and I took them by the hand what's the context here Well, everyone understood the context was the Exodus when God redeemed Israel brought them out from under the oppressors rule what a way to talk about it it was stunning judgment on Egypt you remember the plagues as you read in the book of Exodus stunning startling and yet though Pharaoh didn't want it at all God took his redeemed people out from under the bondage of Pharaoh and he did it with spectacular power and as the Holy Spirit gives commentary on all of the events of the Exodus here's what we read I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt it wasn't just I'm gonna display my my power against Egypt he did that but in doing that he also showed his tender love for his people and as we saw he redeemed them before he ever gave them the law that's always god's way god doesn't redeem us by saying you do all these things and climb to the top of the ladder there's 18 steps get to 18 steps and i'll bless you oh maybe if you get to 16 i'll come down and help you over the last two no the message of the gospel is not climb up you can do it with the help of grace Now the grace of God is He came down. He came and revived us. We were dead on the ground not even having a will to climb the first step of the ladder. And He breathed into us the breath of resurrection, spiritual life and put us on His shoulders and took us up the ladder so that we sit with Him forever. That's what Ephesians says. You were dead in trespasses and sins and God made you alive and now you sit with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. He came down. That's the incarnation. God became a man. The Son of God became the Son of man that the sons of men might become the sons of God. All by grace. All by trusting in what He did, not what we do. And so, even for Israel, the picture of redemption is not. Do all these things and then I'll redeem you. No, I'll redeem you in your filth. I'll redeem you in your sinfulness. Then I'll give you laws. But you're redeemed because of what I did, not because of what you did. They couldn't deliver themselves from the bondage. So God says, you can't do it. So I took you. I took you by the hand. I took you tenderly and brought you out from bondage, from the cruel oppressor israel was a tiny nation but they were god's chosen people and they were up against a world dominating empire egypt was all that they really were and so god crushed the oppressor not because of israel's strength but because of the strength of god pharaoh was brought low why was he brought low? well we read in romans 9 For the scripture says to pharaoh for this very purpose i have raised you up think about that pharaoh thought he raised himself up pharaoh thought look at this that i've done look at all my kingdom i've raised myself up and i sit on my throne and i rule the world and god says actually i raised you up i raised you up that's a God who's in charge of history isn't it Amen. a God who's in charge of history says I can deal with Pharaoh not I'm intimidated by Pharaoh look at all he's got have we got enough resources angels you know uh, we've got we've got to turn the lights off just for a while to kind of pay the bills to get what we need to deal with Egypt right now you know there's not going to be any lights for a few weeks we, we need to put all our resources into this overcoming of Pharaoh no 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 he just says uh, I made you I raised you up but not so that you would have a miracle evangelistic ministry notice that I raised you up so I could do you in in the in the Red Sea so that my name would get glory I'm not sure I like a God like that I understand unless you get a new heart you'll love a different God other than the one in the Bible the one in the Bible rules and reigns his kingdom is forever I the Lord scoff at the nation's you and i can be intimidated by the nations god says that's just a drop in the bu- in the bucket you're the nations that's well that's what do you believe about free will well think about all of the free will so called in all the nations if two people have free will that's enough to deal with but all the will of all of those in all the nations god says drop in the bucket that's a god who rules and reigns now i believe we have wills that are real very 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 real but we won't love the god who is the true god unless god does something to change our hearts so that he change our changes our want to the god of the bible rules and reigns for the scripture says to pharaoh god speaking for this very purpose i'm quoting romans nine seventeen. i have raised you up that i might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth You think you're on the throne so that Pharaoh's name would be heralded throughout the world? No, you got it wrong. I raised you up so that my name gets glory when I do you in in the Red Sea. Uh, Well, certainly these sermons aren't boring. No, because the Bible's not boring. This is a God who rules, who plays for keeps. He's not just hoping pharaoh will succumb to the wooing of the holy spirit he knows ahead of time there's no way this guy's going to go with this and i'm actually going to harden his heart so that he doesn't do what he should do well how do you understand hardening there's two ways god can harden the heart one is to inject fresh evil in someone's heart he doesn't do that why because of the second way we can understand hardening that's leaving someone to their own devices without grace without grace we will say no to God always the reason you might have said yes if you have said yes is because God has worked in your heart to give you the want to to say yes see we had stony hearts not hearts that were in a little bit of trouble stone hearts and what god does is he takes out the heart of stone puts in a heart of flesh that beats to know him so that we hear the message and we want what we didn't want eight minutes before people with stony hearts don't sign up for heart transplants think about that if you've had a heart transplant guess what god put the appointment on his schedule you never did on March the 8th 19 whatever I was converted yeah well that was the the day God says I ain't taking this no more you stony-hearted man you're gonna have a new heart right now Bam. and now I want what I didn't want before and you choose willingly to repent and believe the wonderful good news that's why for your salvation God doesn't get 98% of it and you get a little bit of glory because you had this submissive heart no you had a heart of stone sweetheart You had a heart of stone and God gave you a new heart that will beat to know him forever that's why your salvation is secure it's not dependent on you and your power and your ability to persevere you will persevere because God gave you a new heart that wants him forever no Christian is a true Christian will want to have heaven if Jesus isn't there little girl was on a plane flight the mother said to the little girl as you look at the clouds and the blue sky isn't this like heaven and the little girl says no mommy i can't see jesus she was right heaven is heaven because jesus will be there there's something in all of us that says i don't want heaven if all we get are eternal golf courses without paying a price or uh, rent-free accommodation we want to see him This is an announcement, the Lord Jesus Christ is out for the next 8,000 years creating galaxies, but we've got some great entertainment for you. We'll say, this ain't what I signed up for. I want to see him, and you will. We shall see him as he is, the Bible says. Hallelujah. That's our hope. So in this longest quotation of the old in the new, God says, on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt so that the name of god might be hallowed he crushed the oppressor pharaoh was brought low this exodus is a picture of sin and satan harsh and cruel oppressors israel was delivered ransomed redeemed out of the hand of the enemy let the redeemed of the lord say so the bible says whom he has redeemed out of the hand of the enemy is that true of you have you understood you've been redeemed not by your power not by your will not by the exercise of your will john chapter 1 verse 12 uh, romans chapter 9 makes it clear it's not by the will of man that's not the deciding factor but of god that's how you've been delivered isaiah 59 16 says his own arm brought salvation so why do we read what we read here not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. So, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. Here's what we find to be a causal statement they did not continue in my covenant. Israel was required. To obey all the commands and the stipulations God had given if you read the book of Exodus chapter 19 through 24 inside chapter 20 are the Ten Commandments but that's not all God gave 19 through 24 includes those Ten Commandments but there's other commands given they were redeemed back in Exodus 12 we remember that before the Commandments were given In Exodus 24 verse 3 we read these words Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord all the words of Yahweh and all the rules and all the people answered with one voice and said all the words that the Lord has spoken we will do they heard God's law they heard at Sinai the strength and the real amazing loudness of god's voice and they were scared but they said all the words the lord has spoken we will do question how long was it before israel broke the covenant (laughs) you laugh because you know it go to exodus keep your place in hebrews maybe if you have a ribbon put it there or a, a marker in some way maybe a bookmark we'll be back to hebrews i believe go to exodus chapter 32. We're asking a question, how long was it that Israel continued in the covenant? They just said, "We're going to do everything." Yep. That's it. We're good. Good to go. Good to go, God. We're 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 ready. We're good. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 32. Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, he'd been up there for some length of time, 40 days the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him up make us gods who shall go before us Um, wasn't there something about you shall have no other gods before me yep as for this Moses the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt we do not know what has become of him I love one translation that said something like we don't know what has become of this fellow where is he? I don't know. Maybe he's dead. So Moses said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. This was not something that happened by chance. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel. Who brought you up out of the land of egypt how can you watch the plagues and be present with the plagues and see all the plagues and realize god's deliverance and then say let's make a god a golden calf and worship it this is the one that brought us out when aaron saw this he built an altar before it he was compliant in it all and aaron made a proclamation and said tomorrow shall be a feast to the lord and they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play and so the lord had a conversation with moses moses wasn't aware of all this but the lord certainly was and he says go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of egypt have corrupted themselves they have turned aside quickly there it is out of the way that i commanded them they have made for themselves a golden calf i'm sure moses says what yep and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it, and said, These are your gods, O Israel, and who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, and my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. Let's start again, Moses. We'll start with you. But moses implored the lord is god now what is amazing is god put it on moses hard heart to plead for god's people and it was god who was at the bottom of all that that's an encouragement to us lord we've got a strange sons strange daughters and it's god who lays that on your heart to pray prayers that he is going to answer But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, Lord, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt and with great power you've done it and with a mighty hand? Why should the the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth, turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people? Remember covenant remember abraham isaac and israel your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them i'll multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that i have promised i will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever and graciously verse 14 and the lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people it seemed that At different days of the week god was going to wipe them out the people of israel and moses interceded and at other times moses wanted them all dead also and god says no i'm not going to do it if they both agreed on the same day it was all over (laughs) but god put it into the heart of moses to mediate for the people look what he did it's amazing so how long before israel broke the covenant not long at all before moses came down over that 40-day period let's read jeremiah chapter 11 on to the right in your bible go past psalms and proverbs you'll see maybe isaiah then jeremiah chapter 11. this is the lord's commentary again verse 6 We won't go into the background just now for the sake of time verse 6 the lord said to me this is jeremiah 11 verse 6 proclaim all these words in the cities of judah and in the streets of jerusalem hear the words of this covenant and do them for i solemnly warned your fathers that when i brought them up out of the land of egypt same exact phrase warning them persistently even to this day saying obey my voice what's involved here is this golden calf incident was not just a one-time event they were given to idolatry over and over and over and over again through the decades and the centuries they had been this wandering rebellious group yet verse 8 they did not obey or incline their ear but everyone walked in the stubbornness of his evil heart therefore i brought upon them all the words of this covenant which i commanded them to do but they did not hear so god being righteous said you obey me and i'll bless you in the land you don't and i'll take away the covenant benefit of the land And that's exactly what happened israel were moved out of the land of promise in their history we can even look back and see the evidence of it god was true he said he would do it and he did he brought judgment but even there even there he gives us jeremiah 31 and we read of it in hebrews 8 again back to hebrews 8 now for they did not continue in my covenant they broke the commandments quickly not by slightly missing the mark but by out-and-out rebellion and idolatry setting up the golden calf and that's the pattern of Israel's history over and over and over again and with great patience the Lord was with Israel and yet we read these words in Hebrews 8 and so I showed no concern for them declares the Lord strong words no concern disregard abandon them in other words I gave them over to the paying of the price for breaking the Covenant I said I'd do it and I did and yet the Lord did not ultimately abandon his people in the midst of that gross immorality in the midst of that gross idolatry and even as the curses for disobedience were coming upon them God gave a promise a promise of a new covenant a promise of a new covenant that's not like the old now ladies and gentlemen we have to get this right the law is good the law is holy the Lord is righteous it served a distinct purpose it's a privilege to have the law of God blessed is the nation who has the God of the scriptures available to them and Israel had that more than any other hear these words from Deuteronomy 4 verse 5 see I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who when they hear all these statutes will say surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that, a, that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? You must understand the law is good and the law was one complete unit. It's not to be divided up. We can't say well i'll keep eight of the ten commandments or i'll uh, do this but not that james chapter 2 verse 10 says whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all it's like having a window pane you can shoot a bb gun at the pane of glass and make a little small hole or you could drive a tank through the window pane, and in both cases the window pane needs to be replaced. It's broken. So it is obeying all but one, you've broken it all. <clears throat> oh what hope is there for us? Well, it's gotta become hopeless before you get to the hope. You've got to have the bad news before you understand the good news. The bad news is God is good and God is holy. The law is good. The law is holy. It's the outflow from God. He is good and holy. Everything he says is good and holy. Everything he requires is good and holy. Nothing wrong with that. But the law demands total and absolute and perfect obedience. And that's true always. Some have the mistaken idea that in the New Testament, God sets the standards lower so he can get people in he's graving on a curve now sixty percent is a pass right now no it's a hundred percent well no one gets that that's right but God being righteous and just and holy cannot lower his standards of perfection he is perfect and everyone in heaven has to be perfect to be around him well i think this i know you think this and that's why i'm preaching i'm telling you don't think that anymore god is absolutely holy absolutely perfect and it's jesus who said these wonderful words you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect that's what he said that's jesus if it was paul we'd say look he's just an angry apostle but this is jesus loving gentle good shepherd you've got to be perfect well I'm not perfect I know but you gotta be you must be well I'm perfect compared to Stalin or Hitler and well even then you're not quite perfect yeah right. but compared to God that's the standard no way that's right the law is never reduced to the level of obedience of the people the law is the outflow of who God is in his perfect righteousness so what's the good news someone was perfect for you someone lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died we deserve death the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord Romans six twenty three. Lord Jesus Christ not only died for our sins he lived for our righteousness he lived the righteous life of the law the law was perfect and ladies and gentlemen Jesus was perfect he is the perfect unblemished lamb he never had to say sorry to any man or to his father he always did what pleased him what a righteous life they're on the cross The Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. All our rebellious acts as treasonous rebels were laid on Him on the cross and He died in our place, suffering the punishment we deserve. Three days later, He rose again from the dead and is now at the place of all authority in this universe. And the command is repent and believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that death will become your death in the sight of God. And his righteous life is credited to your account, so that you stand before God in someone else's perfect, righteous life, fulfilling the law. Have you done enough? You never do enough. Did he do enough? Yes. And what he did was sufficient. It was necessary. It was sufficient. That's why when we say, the lord jesus christ says he does it by grace alone through faith alone in himself alone based on the scriptures alone not man-made ideas all to the glory of god alone that's why he gets the glory for the salvation you have he did it all salvation is of the lord so you've got to be perfect that's a must that's an imperative well i don't think i can do that i understand please recognize I couldn't do it you couldn't do it he did he was perfect on our behalf Jesus said this except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees you shall in no way enter the kingdom of heaven ladies and gentlemen these guys the Pharisees and scribes had righteousness down they did everything according to the law in terms of outward obedience they not only tied their money they tithe their plants every tenth petal went to god they were scrupulous it would be hard to be around them live in that house what are you doing i'm counting petals why because god demands i give a tithe, and you got to be better than that or else you're not entering heaven count me out I can't get there that's right you can't get there by what you do but someone else did it for you Jesus had much to say to these so-called righteous folk because they were uh, very good on the outside but inwardly they were whitewashed tombs They had no desire for God they just wanted the prestige in the neighborhood stand on the street corner and shout out a prayer so everyone would marvel at their great oratory you got to be better than that you have to have more righteousness than that if you're going to go to heaven so what's the gospel God doesn't reduce the requirement of the law the gospel is someone else met the requirements for you Greg Francis, who was part of King's Church, who's now with the Lord, once said this. I wrote it down and I repeat it often. God demands full, total, perfect obedience. And if you can't do that, you'd better find someone who can do it for you. Someone did it for you. Don't look within, look away. The world says the problem is outside of you. Find something inside of you. The gospel says the problem is inside of you the solution is outside of you Christ in his perfect life of obedience and his death and resurrection that's the gospel look away in the Old Testament God brought the law and with it brought sacrifices which was a provision of grace for lawbreakers and even under the law there was forgiveness through the atonement the law revealed sin and pointed to a savior And that should have brought about humility and repentance the problem was not the law but a people that did not have the law in their hearts they were untransformed they were outwardly obedient turn in the new testament to romans chapter 2 paul writes things that many Jews then and now have a problem with they don't like Paul because he cuts through the religious rhetoric and shows them as they really are a lot like Jesus did Romans 8 verse 28 these are words many Jewish people cannot tolerate but there it is in Scripture Romans 2 28 for no one that's an absolute universal statement no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly can you feel the thud of people walking out when they hear that Wow nor is circumcision outward and physical oh yes it is it's uh, yes it is no no it isn't but a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit not by the letter his praise is not from man but from god the true jew is a true jew because he's inwardly transformed it's a matter of the heart by the holy spirit that is so key it takes the work of the holy spirit to bring forth the new birth not by the letter not merely the letter of the covenants that's outside written on stone it takes the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart. Go to chapter 9 of Romans. When God said, Israel, what did he mean? If some man who has a dog shouts the name of his dog, Shep, there might be eight other Sheps in the park, maybe, maybe two, maybe three, maybe he's the only one, we don't know. But when he says shep what did he mean by shep because the true shep will hear the voice of the master and come well that's the theory anyway so what did god mean when he said israel look at verse six it's not as though the word of god has failed why because not all of israel recognized messiah when he came for not all who are descended from israel belong to israel these are stunning words not everyone who's been circumcised not everyone who's got the certificate not everyone who can say i can trace my ancestry back to abraham not every one of those is truly israel see how that would be offensive The bible if you've never been offensive offended by what it says you've never really read it <laughs> it's offensive to religion without christ it's not as though the word of god have failed for not all who are descended from israel belongs to israel would you agree with this not everybody who's got american citizenship is a true american that's what's going on here you might have the certificate on the wall i got mine in february 2003 just celebrated 20 years as a citizen but Not everybody who's got the certificate is a true American, right? You might have been American by birth, I'm American by choice, praise the Lord. (laughs) So who's Israel? Not everyone who's got the certificate on the wall, but those who have the work of the Holy Spirit writing God's law on their hearts that's the true jew deuteronomy 29 4 let me quote it but to this day the lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear that's what it takes to be a true jew not merely the presence of the law but the love of the law in the heart there were many in israel who were true jews in the old covenant the psalmist was able to say your your word have I hidden my heart that I may not sin against you oh how I love your law that's the work of the Holy Spirit But the Old Covenant was external outside of them not internal and that was the problem let's go to 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 on to the right there's 1st Corinthians then 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 Look at verse 2, Paul writing to the Corinthian Christians, You you yourselves are our letter of recommendation. This is 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. Written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It takes the Holy Spirit to bring about what we're discussing here. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. That's what it takes to be a Christian. Verse 4, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, But our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. All right, let's prick up our ears. We're talking about the new covenant today. Ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What's that about? The letter kills? Some people have the idea that the Bible's a dead book till the Holy Spirit comes upon it that is often the claim of charismatic Christians and I was raised in that it's false just go to the context like any error read the Bible verse in its context the letter kills in that it brings death and condemnation because it was merely written on the tablet outside of the heart the tablet of stone like so often errors exposed when you read a verse in its context and here's the Holy Spirit's commentary on the Bible for the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword so it can't be that the Bible's dead and the Bible's alive so what does it mean that the letter kills it means the letter kills by itself without the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart Bringing you into the benefits of what we call the new covenant whereby you now love what you didn't love before the letter here refers to the law written externally on tablets of stone the spirit gives life is a reference to the holy spirit who in the new covenant writes the law on human hearts on all get this all in the new covenant and jeremiah chapter 31 promised it and hebrews 8 declares it the law by itself outside of us written on stone did not have the power to deliver transform it could only bring death that's what it means when it says the letter kills but the spirit brings life and he writes the law of god on the human heart back to hebrews and we'll close now I believe we can really see with full technicolor sight what is being proclaimed to us in Hebrews 8 The problem was with them verse 8 for he finds fault with them when he says behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt that's Redemption for they did not continue in my covenant so I showed no concern for them declares the Lord they were banished they were sent into exile but even there he made the promise For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord I will put my laws into their minds I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people that's covenant language And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Who's the all here? All in the new covenant. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I'll remember their sins no more. The law brings us to this necessary realization. Unless God does something and does it all, there's no hope. Martin Luther said, law to the proud, grace to the humble. If you think you have a right standing with God based on your performance, you need to hear the law. The law challenges that assumption because it understands you've not loved the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength for even an hour of your life. Start with that one, the big one. Martin Luther was once asked what is the greatest sin his answer was well what is the greatest commandment the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart soul mind and strength therefore the greatest sin is not to do that so what does God do he says there's a promise coming in the new covenant and it's now fulfilled Hebrew Christians realize what he's done Christians today understand what he's done He's taken the law on the stone and put it on the heart so that now we have a change of want to. We want to do His will. We want to walk in His ways. And if that's not in you, you must be born again. You must come to the Son. You must be redeemed from the house of bondage and the house of slavery. And God tenderly drawing you to Himself by the means of the preached Word of God so that you want what you didn't want when you went in and when you came in today what would be that that's a new birth the Holy Spirit at work ransacking human hearts doing divine surgery giving them a permanent love for what they did not love before that's our hope and that's why heaven will be heaven because we'll not only see Jesus but there'll be nothing in us that wants to do something other than his will that's what we long for oh wretched man that i am who who shall deliver me from this body of sin thanks be to god through our lord jesus christ let's pray together father we just thank you for this new covenant you've given us a new want to you've written the law of god on our hearts and this covenant is a permanent covenant Never to be wiped off, never, never, never again. You give us a love for you and for your law. And we like it. We actually like it because you've given us new hearts. That is the blessing of the new covenant. And Lord, if we just agree with you it's much, it's far better